Hey guys, we are back home in Arkansas. Yep. And the uh, good weather followed us here. And uh, I know we, we took um, a bigger break than we expected, but that's just the way it goes. And we're not going to be upset about it, are we, Paul? We're trying to find our way. We, yeah. We're trying not to be just like all the other functional medicine practices spewing stuff. So we'll yeah. come up with something interesting, I promise. Now, we have lots of things to talk about. It's just trying to um, group it in a way that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. the topics are basically endless for us. But now we're back home. We're going to get in our groove again because we've been living like gypsies all summer long. And it's hard to do a podcast when you're living like gypsies. Absolutely. So no longer gypsies for us. And uh, today um, we're going to talk about um, the relationship between your child's behavior and what they're eating. And uh, because there is a huge connection um, between the diet and behavior. And um, we're going to delve into that after we listen to the Hellroys. I don't take nothing that a doctor don't prescribe. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't smoke no blood, man. I don't do no drugs, man. It angers up that blood, man. So I don't do no drugs. All right. So um, before we get started, you know I got what I got to do. Um, this content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice or to take the place of medical advice or treatment from a personal physician. And that piece of paper is pretty dusty. <laughs> and we've got cobwebs on our equipment. That's so sad. All right. Okay. So, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this particular topic because in my practice I've seen the transformation in children after you clean up their diet. Yep. And when I go out into the public or if I'm with my niece and nephew and around their friends, it is quite obvious that um, what they're eating is impacting their behavior. Absolutely. And, you know, I see and I have um, friends and just, you know, other acquaintances that, you know, complain about how bad their kids are behaving and they won't do what they say and they're not doing good in school and, and just um, acting like little hellions. And at the same time, I'm looking at their children and they're eating, you know, peanut M&Ms and drinking a Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. And that is not fair to the child. You're, you know, you're constantly getting on to them, you know, asking them, why are you acting like that? But you're feeding them poison. Right. And the excuse you often get is that, well, they just won't eat anything else. Well, that's a lie. I know it's a lie because I use my brothers as an example. I have my three brothers all have children. We're the only, I'm the only one that does not. And uh, two of them, their kids ate horribly, and now their kids eat horribly. But my oldest brother, Bill, he fed his kids properly. What's the difference? It just is the way they presented things, the way they did not allow the other stuff. It's an easy fix to give them a Coke because they're screaming. It's a short-term fix. Well, that, that's what they want, and it gets them to shut up. So you just let them have it, you know. And you're not doing your child any favors if you're you're literally feeding them poison. And I and I see, and I'm looking around, and I'm observing. I'm going to places, you know, whether it's um, sporting games or um, birthday parties, celebrations, wherever there's a bunch of kids around. And I'm watching what not only what the adults are eating. But what the children are eating and then how they're behaving and how they're having, you know, breakdowns and, and just 
um, getting angry really easily and getting into fights and talking back and and it's and I'm not saying that's every kid, but it's a lot of kids out there. That's why we have this ADD, ADHD, you know, uh, epidemic. We've got a lot of behavior issues, and I'm telling you, it's a lot of it is directly related to what they are eating, and the impact of what they're eating is having on their gut health. I think when you allow a child, when when you engage them in a conversation, I've seen this with Piper. She actually understands Mm -hmm. that. And Piper is the daughter of my uh, of, of my best friend. She actually understands that when she ingests that, she's going to have issues. Mm-hmm. The sugar, she understands it. She really understands the blue dye. Mm-hmm. She still wants the sugar because right. she's addicted to it. But it's amazing that a child is cognizant of, if I eat this, I'm going to have a problem. And that's a good first step. And that's what, But that's what happens a lot when you start going down this journey of making changes in your child's diet and um, limiting their exposure to things that we know just aren't good for them. And then when they eat it again, they can feel it. Mm-hmm. And then they start making that connection. But you have to remove it for them to even understand the difference that it's making. And explain it to them. And explain it to them, yeah. And so, you know, I don't think it's it takes a rocket scientist to understand what we talk about, you know, or what foods we were referring to. Because it's not really food. Mm-hmm. It's processed junk that you're giving your kids. And it's literally poison to them. And it's also bathing their taste buds to make them acclimated to fat, sugar, salt. Yeah. So that's what they're used to. Therefore, that's what it wants. So, you know, so what is it exactly in these foods that is contributing to their bad behavior? And kind of how is that happening? And the first one that I see, of course, is sugar. These kids are eating way, way too much sugar. It's in everything. It's They're drinking Cokes, juices. You know, everybody wants to think that juice is some type of healthy thing. No, you don't need to be drinking juice. You need to be eating the fruit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a fan of fruit juices. There's just way, way too much sugar in those things. And so the kids are consuming a lot of sugar and, you know, just your obvious, your sweets, your candy, pies, cakes, cookies, colas. But it's also, they're getting it from simple carbs, whether it's through crackers, bread, um, rice potatoes you know that of course the kids love that and i eat that stuff too but sometimes it's just it occupies their entire plate Mm -hmm. you know macaroni and cheese what kid doesn't like that there's nothing good about macaroni and cheese i think a lot of people at least the stuff that people are eating you know i don't think a lot of people understand how quickly a carb a simple carb gets converted to sugar and the glucose to glucose that I, i still remember it was second grade and our teacher had us put a cracker in our mouth and she says, hold it there. And lo and behold, within about 15 seconds, it was intensely sweet. Mm-hmm. That's just the enzymic and, and the action in our mouth to break yeah, it down. Amylase. The amylase to break it down that quickly. It stuck with me all these years later that, wow, that, that is sugar. And that's what, uh, is, that's what comprises most of the diets kids are consuming these days. The school lunches, oh my gosh. 
It is terrible. I mean, we're literally making kids sick. We're impacting their behavior. Then they're getting diagnosed with ADHD by their teachers or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and then they're getting put on meds because basically, and a lot of these, this could be avoided just by diet changes alone. And I have seen it in my practice when these types of children come to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of kids that will come, they're, you know, with um, whether it's, you know, some type of skin issue um, or some type of behavior issue, and they often occur together. Right. Okay, because that's just one sign of immune dysregulation is behavior. Nobody ever thinks of it in that terms as behavior being some type of immune dysregulation and not just this kid that doesn't want to mind. Exactly. And I think also you need to point out that it's not just the taste bud receptors that are making them crave the sugar. We talk a lot about this when we do our GI talks, that the actual bacteria in your gut is communicating to your brain yes. and is saying, I want sugar. There's a direct communication path through your vagus nerve going up saying, hey, I'm a bacteria down here. This is what I like. I'm prominent down here. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. And that's, it, your child's not going to resist that. It's, no, well, adults, adults, adults can't even resist it. We have got a sugar addiction epidemic in the country. And it's physiological. I mean, your, your, your body is telling you you're craving it. Right. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, and, and when your diet is full of sugar and carbs, it's going to cause dysbiosis. You're going to have a lot more yeast growing in there that you that you shouldn't. I mean, some yeast is good. We have to have it. But when it grows out of control, it's a problem, and it's very toxic, and it, it causes a lot of immune dysregulation in a, in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is this, and I know a lot of you have heard it, the gut-brain connection is very real. And um, it's your your brain is your brain is communicating with your GI tract, and the the microbes that reside there are communicating um, through the vagus nerve and other um, modalities and the, the metabolites and things that they produce to communicate with your brain. And so you know you've got to get your kids off the sugar, and I'm you know and. And if you just jerk it away all at once, it might backfire on you. Because of the gut. Because of the gut issues. Because um, when those yeasts don't get the preferred fuel source that they like, which is sugar, they die off. And the die-off can be pretty significant, or the symptoms associated with that, if you have a significant case of yeast overgrowth, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people are walking around with right now. And so, um, anyway, that's just something to consider. So the sugar... We know is an issue, and that should not be anything new to you. Okay, right. um, the other things, you know, the the additives and preservatives and the food dyes, th- these are not good either. Um, food dyes, and I've talked about this on social media. We know interfere with enzymatic activity within the GI tract, and so um, when you don't don't break down the foods like you should because you're interfering with the enzymes that are responsible for that, you're going to have issues in the GI tract. Undigested food in certain parts of your gut is not good, and it's going to cause inflammation. And that inflammation is not going to just stay there in the GI tract. It's going to impact everything, including your brain and your behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay? it's, it's, it's amazing, the, the, the dyes and how quickly they react. And a lot of, and a lot of parents have picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, they like, yeah, when my... When my kid eats red dye, he turns into a demon. And um, I see, I have seen this play out in my my own niece and nephew. And we, you know, we 
starting to make some changes. Getting the whole family on the program, though, has been proven to be pretty difficult. And I think that's one of the, I'm sure a lot of parents out there are saying, well, you just don't understand. And, and we don't. We don't have kids. I get it. Oh, I've been around enough kids to know. But I do understand that, you know, step one is not having it around the house. But look how we were raised, you know. I know. We, we didn't have it around the house. We got one box of junk cereal a month, and we would eat it within 15 minutes. <laughs> All four boys would attack it. but that's And we knew that. It's like, eat it now or you won't get it. But I know a lot of parents are thinking, well, I, if I controlled at home, they're still going to get the junk at school because the school lunches are so bad. And if I send them with the lunch, they're going to trade it or they're going to do something. I know how kids are. But, that's, but that, that's no reason not to try at home. Right. But it's also the craving that you're talking about. Your kid will, if you can break this, you may have to choose a summer break where you do have control. You know, don't do this beginning of the school year because you're right you're right they're gonna up they're gonna up in the cart when they go to school so you have to choose a time when you can control it it's going to take about 60 days to break this cycle um and the, you know you have to have a controlled environment you can have the stuff in your house you cannot allow them to get it elsewhere and then once that gut bacteria starts to die off that's going to be one the bitter receptors i think we should go over that a little bit is well, that okay we can go ahead and go over that now that I know kids, well, they don't like this. My, my brother Joe used to say his kids would only eat chicken nuggets. It's like, well, you acclimated them. He goes, you just don't understand that they'll, they'll go crazy if I don't. It's like, well, how long have you ever pushed this? Asked the same question. My brother Billy goes, oh, I, I just don't, don't offer it. Right. And eventually they, so it's, 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 it's a point of, are you willing to fight them? Because it is going to be a battle and you have to be persistent. But you're, you're working against their gut bacteria, which you can cure in 60 days. The bitter receptor is a little bit more um, difficult. Talk and not about- everybody, I mean, kids supposedly have more bitter receptors mm-hmm. initially, starting out in life. And um, and old people only have sweet receptors. Yeah, that's that, why that's, old people like ice cream. Yeah, and supposedly, you know, that's that's how it, the, how it goes throughout life. But I know lots of kids who eat vegetables. So mm-hmm. I don't, you know, yes, some of us are super tasters. Right. You know, um, for certain things. But, but you you're, know, you're a super taster and you you ate vegetables. Well, so I don't know that I'm a super taster. I eat vegetables. You know, I, there's really not too many vegetables that I don't like. The you only can, thing I don't like is cilantro. You can, I can have one leaf of cilantro in a big stew and you'll find it. It's amazing. Well, that's, but that doesn't mean I'm a super taster. That just means I don't like cilantro. No, it means, well, it's okay. amazing you can discern it. So, yeah, so the, the whole, you know, kids don't like bitter foods. Well, you know... May, they might be a little more adverse to that, but for, I've seen lots of kids who who eat their vegetables, okay, right. because their their parents are doing a good job of offering it to them multiple times. Over and what what is the number that we've heard? Is what supposedly you know it takes ten times minimum. Mini, well, it can take up to ten times before you're you know offering a, a different food to a child before they start you know getting used to it and eating it. All right. And, and perhaps mix it in with other things to begin with. There was um, Seinfeld's wife did a cookbook called Deceptive Nutrition. But she basically, it was recipes for sneaking in into smoothies. Um, That's a great way to sneak stuff in is in smoothies. And you, know, you, you can get cauliflower into a burger and they'll never know it. You can get cauliflower into a pasta dish and they'll never know it. But I want kids to know it. Well, They you, need you, to you, understand that this food is good for them. I don't want to, we don't need to... We don't want you know a college kid having you know still having issues with cauliflower. Well, you, you know influence helps. I mean, kids love 
are more likely to eat spinach because of Popeye back when I was growing up. It's like, oh, Popeye. So it, it's the positive influence. If the kids are like, if the parents are going, I love this, it helps. Yeah, and the parents, I mean, you guys are going to have to get on board too. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're going to, they see what you do and you know this and they emulate what you do. So if you want your kids to eat healthy and you want their behavior to be better, then you're going to have to probably do the same thing. I think one good friend would be butter. Um, grass-fed butter is an excellent food. Don't be shy away yeah, from it. Yeah, don't, but, don't. Yeah, butter's but, good, guys. But, but if you put butter on the broccoli, it helps a lot with a kid. Right. You know, that's just work with them. Don't just do steamed broccoli and put it there. And a lot of people will cover everything in cheese, and that's not necessarily a good thing either. No, because it's low quality. Well, it's usually low-quality cheese. And here's a big kicker. So let's just say you cleaned up your kid's diet, okay, that you got you got rid of the processed foods, um, you started feeding them more vegetables and, and everybody wants, you know, I'm giving whole wheat bread and, and, you know, you're, you're giving them cheese and dairy because you were told that that's a good thing to do. Right. Well, food intolerances and then, and instant, excuse me, food intolerances and sensitivities are real mm-hmm. and they, and I see them in a lot of children. So you have to, and I think everybody should do this, especially if you have a child that is having behavioral issues, not doing well in school, um, you have to rule these things out. Mm-hmm. Um, children who have um, ADD, ADHD, are, some people say, seven times more likely to have a food sensitivity and so you have to rule that out. And so you can have a food sensitivity or intolerance to anything. Right. Um, but the most common ones, and we've gone over this multiple times, is you know wheat, gluten, uh, dairy, corn, soy, eggs, uh, beans and legumes, mm-hmm. and sometimes nuts. Okay. Those are the most common ones. But your, your child can have an issue with any, any food, and it has to be ruled out. And where we see, I see wheat, glute, uh, wheat, gluten, and dairy being the biggest ones for right. most kids. But going back to what you said earlier about the child's gut biota being messed up by having so much simple carbs and sugar, you cannot do a reintroduction diet to find out these food intolerances until their GI tract is healed. Yeah, and that, that yes, and an elimination reintroduction diet is how you rule out these these sensitivities and intolerances. But, and then there's a component, you know, the reintroduction phase, you, you, you can't start reintroducing these foods back into their diet to see if they have a problem on a gut that's still, quote, leaky and inflamed because right. you're going to get um, false positives. So, you know, that's what, why we do ours the way we do our, our reintroduction and elimination diet. Um, I said that backwards, but. It, it's the ability to heal the gut while you're doing the elimination and then once the GI tract is healed, that's our dog, once the GI tract is healed, then you do the reintroduction. That's a big mistake that most people make. You know, Whole30 cleans up your diet, kind of, but then they're not... They're not they, addressing the sensitivities and intolerance no, issue at all, or gut health. It's, 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 but, but that goes a long way. Cleaning up the diet mm-hmm. helps a lot of people, but yeah. there's still a lot of people it doesn't help. Right. Because of the food sensitivity um, issues and, and intolerances and just... 
a um, some dysbiosis, bad gut health for other reasons other than food, mm-hmm. which our program addresses all of the reasons that are all the things that it could possibly be mediating inflammation in your GI tract because we know that it's not just about food. Food is a big one, but there's other things that impact that as well. And I will tell you that when you, um, for children who um, eat a lot of wheat and dairy and have sensitivities to them, and when, when you remove those things, you can have true withdrawal symptoms. Right. Um, because these, um, the, the gluten and the casein, um, they, they almost act, act like some type of, um, they act like opiates in some of these kids. And when, when you remove, and they have certain names, and I, I can't recall the names right now. I should have looked those up before we did this. Um, but when you remove those foods, it's almost uh, like removing an opiate. And then they have withdrawals, and so and they and their behavior can even get worse. Right upon removal, and so these th- these are things that you need to keep in mind if you want to go down this path, and uh, to, to stay the course. Don't to, yeah, you'd stay the course, hang in there, um, but know that that is something very real that can happen when you remove those things from their diet. And that's on top of the negative effects of the die-off from the candida and the bad bacteria. Which right, is another negative to their how they're feeling. So the yeah. poor little guy is going to be going through a tough one. But the beautiful thing is, and you always say this, children are your favorite patients because they're not that screwed up yet or they're not near as screwed up as an adult. <laughs> I mean, we get... No, they're, having, not, they're not on birth control pills and statins and they haven't taken... Multi, well, some of them have taken a lot of antibiotics because they have, you know, signs of immune dysregulation from poor gut health. Right. You know, and that's a, that's a big thing. That's a vicious cycle to get into. Yeah, Johnny's not supposed to get three strep throats. Uh, yeah, if, you're, if your child is always sick, getting strep throat or, or getting the flu or, you know, has eczema and psoriasis, isn't act, you know, acting right... Big red flags, ding, people. Ding, ding. Big ding, and and giving those kids antibiotics every time they get sick is only making matters worse. Those antibiotics are killing off your gut. Your they're they're impacting your gut flora, often in very negative ways. And um, you remember the the gut your the bacteria that reside in your GI tract are responsible have a big role to play in your immune health. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep that 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 um those microbes healthy and happy and thriving and antibiotics is not going to do that so instead of giving them another round of antibiotics and i know that you know sometimes you have to have this for strep throat you need to really like okay what is going on what is causing my child to get these repeated strep throat infections and the flu and the sniffles and eczema and psoriasis okay there's something going on there and you need and and you've you have to address address gut health first and foremost and all the things that is impacting that. And that's why we also want you to do it during a time like the summer when you have control of the child. Because as you mentioned earlier, it's not just food. It's sleep. It's stress. It's everything that's going on in their body. And you need to create a, a good, a, the best situation you can to get them through this. And if you need some empathy, our both of our health coaches are, um, they're both mothers. Mm-hmm. Annie's a mother times five, six. six, so she really gets it. <laughs> um, Hannah's a new mother, but you know, you, but she has food sensitivities, mm-hmm. and yeah. so does her sister, and so there, there, she she understands the role that those play in your health. Right. So a lot of times you will need help getting through this 
and help and our health coaches are very reasonable and it's a great way of getting from point a to point b utilizing them to help you change your your kid's diet behavior all and i was one of these kids okay and so you know as a as a as a child you know the behavior issue is is a warning sign something is going wrong with the child and yeah it could be discipline it could be a lot of different you know social issues going on there too but often it's not it's you know directly what their environment okay and diet is a big part of that i was one of those children um but i had i was hyperactive could literally i was told i could climb the walls your mother says you were awful yeah they said i was awful um i was a great child a loving child um, but very very hyper and at the same time of my hyperactivity i had repeated ear infections um had horrible allergies you know my eyes would swell shut when I would go outside and play sometimes um we had to get rid of um my my poodle because I was allergic you know he'd go outside and come back in and my eyes would swell shut and then you know then that progressed to um I had a lot of uh, I was having a lot of leg pain and then that developed into um, acne as a teenager um, depression, anxiety, and all of this was because of poor gut health and food sensitivities I did not know I had. Right. You know, we, you know, I I was eating wheat. I was eating eggs. I was eating all kinds of stuff because, you know, we were told, you know, that stuff was healthy, but I had an issue with it. And I, it wasn't until I was in my late 30s until I realized I had an issue. Well, I think it's a good point. Not all food sensitivities, we've talked a lot about bad foods like food dyes and sugars, but there are some good foods that could be causing your child's problem. So that's why we talk about elimination reduction. It's, it's, it's the elimination of these poor foods in order to get a good results. Right. But it could be something good for you, like eggs for you. Mm-hmm. Great for me, bad, bad for, for me. you. Yeah. And that's, that's just, sometimes it happens. And I, I remember... You know, one of my favorite breakfast foods was scrambled egg sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So I was eating, a, a, you know, two eggs and two pieces of toast and, um, and, and then wondered why, you know, I was having such horrible GI issues. G- my, my, the constipation was, was horrible. Mm-hmm. Most of my life, I even had it as a child. I remember having to get, sorry to have to go here, but enemas as, as a child, you know, and those should have all been warning flags for my physician, but my physician was never taught about this. Because it, it cascades down. I mean, once you have a bad GI tract, you, your enzyme activity starts decreasing, correct? Well, it's just it's, everything is messed up. Because I mean, okay? the brush border can't, uh, it's probably, you know, impacted, so it's not making enzymes like it should. Um, it, there's so much that can go wrong. Um, in, in a variety of ways in the GI tract when there's so, when you're just putting basically poison into it, mm-hmm. you know? And then um, when you throw in, uh, wow, we've got a lot more modern day problems now than we did back then, right? you know? Um, especially with the blue lights and the sleep issues and the, the smartphones and the tablets and kids are on them all night, like in the bed with this blue light just bathing their face, you know? And it's 1030 at night and the kids are on iPads when they should be asleep it's the newest babysitter <laughs> it, it it really has become a babysitter and 
and uh, we need to have some serious discussions about limiting limiting time on these computer screens. I mean, we're seeing and, kid, and now it's going to get worse because everybody's you know doing virtual schooling. Well, and it, the uh, shape of the neck is changing in some children because yeah. of this text neck. Yeah, the text neck. And yeah, like, I saw people in the ER have um, teenagers with uh, neck pain, and the whole time I'm talking to their parents. And trying to talk to the child, they're in the corner on their phone in the ER exam room on their phone. And I'm like, well. And it's an addiction also. Yeah. The, oh, definitely. They make that stuff addictive. Yeah. It's like a slot machine. So anyway, back to, you know, gut health and, and your behavior, your child's behavior. It is it is something. It, and if you have a child who's struggling in school and is just having temper tantrums and mental breakdowns and throwing fits, you have got to address gut health um and again I, I can think of kids that we've seen in my practice who have just made you know complete 180s in their behavior and have seen their their school their grades and everything just um, improve significantly after making very minor changes really in their diet the most successful ones are the ones where the parents are involving yeah. the kids and, and the whole family is on the same page. And they, un, they start, as we mentioned earlier about Piper understanding that sugar and blue dyes caused her problems. She still wants the sugar, but she avoids the blue dyes at least. It, by involving her, she's cognizant of what's going on. She, they don't want to be ill-behaved. I think, no. a lot, I think a lot of kids are embarrassed when they ill-behave, but they just double but they, down. They, well, they, can't, they can't control it. No, they cannot okay. control themselves. Um, my three brothers are all... Irish twins. They're 12 months apart. Poor mom. But then there, there was a four-year break for me. So I was raised a little bit differently. They're picky eaters. I think mom and dad were so busy. They were just throwing stuff on the table. They were trying their best. But by the time I came along, I spent an inordinate amount of time with my mother. And um, I, have, I, have the most, I have the least picky eater ever. But, but I emulated everything she did. I, was, I helped her cook. I, worked, you know, I always thought it was so interesting. By involving me in the cooking, by involving, well, I'm going to eat whatever mom eats. I mean, I, we ate bizarre things, cow tongue, lots of organ meat. Mom's a country girl. But it was that involvement that made me such a good eater, and my brothers are not so much. Yeah, well, I mean, my mom was, you know, we ate a lot out of the, my dad always had a garden. We ate a lot out of the garden. My um, extended family, a lot of them raised in rural areas, had gardens. So we were just accustomed to eating that way. And my mom did not have any problem with you going to bed hungry if you did not eat what was on the table. You know, and a lot of, you know, I hear this, well, my kid, won't, they won't eat. And, and y'all are scared that they're going to get hungry. I promise you, when they get hungry, they will eat mm-hmm. what's in front of them. Or at least be a lot more open to it. <laughs> yeah, or there will be, yes, be a lot more open to it. So don't, let's, let's not um, let them win the battle, you know, when it comes to that. You, you mentioned the gardening. Because it can be a battle at first, okay. but it's a battle worth having and a battle worth winning. We're talking about their health. and Their life. Their life, exactly. Um, and if you get it now, they're going to have, if you get a grasp of it now and just get it over with now, they will, ha- they will go on to have much healthier and happier lives that are much better quality. And successful. If you're a poor student because of diet, you're not it, going to get into a good college. You're not going to go. Well, you're not going to reach your potential. No, you're not. And, and you're and and for me, you know, um, 
fortunately, I was still able to do good in school. And sometimes I wonder if I was couldn't have done better. Right. And wonder if I could still have my colon. You know, I really miss my my colon. I mean, folks, that's it's caused a lot of problems for me. That's a good example of how severe food allergies can be. They had removed. Not allergies. It was sensitivities. Allergies are a whole different thing. Uh, food sensitivities that you had to have the majority of your. Oh, my gosh. Leon is has decided to weed eat All right. right now. So we're going to finish up pretty quickly. <laughs> I, want to, I want to go to the gardening real quick because that's a good example of involving the child. I think that's one of the reasons I loved vegetables. I also, and why I still garden. Yeah, I, have my, I, have my, I help my dad in the garden. Yeah, when you grow broccoli, you're a lot more likely to eat it. If you cook something, you're proud of it. You're, you're, um, our niece, Lulu, Emily, when we made marinara that night, she couldn't wait to eat it. I know. Because he was involved in the process. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to choose the summer when you have time to, to do things with them. You can garden with them. You can cook with them. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't have the kids, but I have seen the difference with my brothers. So identical genetics, one out of three has kids that are super healthy and great eaters, and they're doing what we talked about. The other two, not so much. And, you know, the kids have turned out all right, mm-hmm. but they've had issues. Right. Um, you know, ADD, these type things. Yes. They always mention it's like, this is, we know the genetics are the same, so why are these kids different? The only commonality is the, the difference in diet. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a big, big problem. So... So to recap, and we're not going to, you know, keep beating a dead horse here, but if you, if you have a child who, like I said, is, seems to be having um, attention issues, not doing well in school, having breakdowns, temper tantrums, um, you, you've got to address gut health. Mm-hmm. And, you need, and, you, and if you're going to address gut health, you might as well rule out food sensitivities and intolerances while you're doing it you can you can rehab the gut and and um and and see if they have any of these sensitivities intolerant and intolerances in 60 days mm-hmm. okay that's two months that will fly by and if you can do that and get your child's gut health back on track you will see a transformation yes um, and if you don't, then we've got some other things going on right. that should be addressed. Now, this is just the food part of the environmental exposures that could be contributing to your child's behavior issues and poor gut health. You also have to address the other things, too. Toxin exposures, sleep. Sleep is a big one. Mm-hmm. Screen time, you know, that impacts that sleep. Activity sunshine exposure getting them outside those things have to be addressed as well another good reason to do this in the summer because you know at school they have all kinds of stresses on their body emotional there's you know you know how school is it's it's can be tough for well and but it's also it's not might not be a bad time either because there's a schedule there right in the summertime there's a little less schedule but it it varies for every family so you've just got to find a time when you expect the least um you know uh, the least amount of distraction and that's when you go for it Mm -hmm. For some of you, it might be in the summer. For some of you, it might be during the school year. Now that a lot of you have your kids at home now doing virtual school, it might this might be a great opportunity for you to, to do this. Right, because you're able to con- – the this, this school lunches and the, the whole oh, – it just – Oh, good it's, it's grief. The There's a, this is – the school lunches are 
pitiful. Brought to you by the USDA. Pitiful. <laughs> it's awful. It's literally contributing to poor school performance. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the, and the the issues surrounding that, and the, and the and the answers are complex and complicated. But we've got to start doing something about it. And, and the the first step is sugar and simple carbs. Yeah, that's the very first step. Get rid of the processed foods. Completely. Completely. No Ritz crackers. Get don't buy it. Don't bring it in the house. Don't bring the cokes in the house. Let them have water. There's nothing. If you make sure your water's not full of fluoride and lead and everything else, you can get a filter for that to to get rid of it. But there's nothing wrong with water, people. Mm-hmm. If your kid's thirsty, trust me, they're going to drink the water. Lead by example. Lead by... We don't even keep colas in this house, Mm-mm. ever. Sometimes we might get a one of the bottled Mexican Cokes. Yeah, because it has sugar. It's a treat because it has, it has cane sugar yeah, in it. But it's still not great for us, but we don't do it that often. Yeah, no no, no, one, no sugar is better than that. It only and nobody's better. perfect, okay? If you can... If you can clean your kid's diet up 80, you know, 80%, mm-hmm. good for you. That's great. We're still, we still have to be humans, but the 80% rule does not apply to food sensitivities and intolerances. No. You've got to be a hundred percent on that because some, for some kids, all it takes is, you know, a, a couple of bites of whole wheat bread to just throw them off. Mm-hmm. And then you've got that inflammation that could be present up to three months so clean up the diet first then do the inter- reintroduction and good luck I mean, yeah i know it's not i'm not we're not saying it's easy we're not uh, and and we and you can in your child we have something called the total gut job program mm-hmm. okay and we can tailor that for your child right many of our cl- our chill our child patients have used this program successfully and it's good when the parents go through it also because most of you if your kid has a gut issue, there's a good chance you, you do, do too. And they got that food sensitivity and intolerance from some, from either you or your husband. Yep. You know. So um, anyway, if you have um, questions or concerns about this, and you're interested in, in, in where to start and, and how to how to address gut health and rule out these sensitivities and intolerances, contact us. Mm-hmm. We can help you. Um, we do. You could try it on your own. Um, Good luck. It's right. going to take a lot of research on your part. Um, but this is where the health coaches And this in. is where our health coaches shine. They can help you. You don't need to see me. A health coach, one of our health coaches, would serve you and your child very well, and they are very capable of handling this. They will help you with dietary workarounds. They will help explain the, the hurdles that are coming up. They've been through it. They've been helping people day in and day out for right. years. So they, mm-hmm. they get it. They have kids, unlike us, so yeah. for you that are saying we don't understand, well, maybe we don't directly, but we see that the results that people who follow this well, advice... Trust me, I understand. I'm going to have to deal with some with teenagers that. this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to be, they're going to be requesting to go eat some junk somewhere, and so, um, oh man, and Amy's always got to be the bad guy. Yes. In fact, when they come to my house, they make my mother go to the grocery store to get them snacks because Aunt Amy doesn't have anything good to eat. No, I'll try to, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to give them, you know, good yogurt and they, they want the crap yogurt. They, they want the stuff full of sugar, yep. you know. So anyway, we're still working on that. Um, they're not my children, so I don't really have that much control, control you know. Um, bless my mother's heart. She has done an excellent job when they are at Mimi's. She, you know, she's 
she's doing her best to pick the best things possible. Of course, all they have is Walmart to shop at, so that's kind of tough too, you know? Makes it tougher. But it's still possible, all right? It's still possible. Okay, anyway, uh, again, if you have questions or concerns, reach out to us. Um, If you're not already following us on Facebook, please do so, Amy Beard, MD. Um, also have we're also on Instagram, and um, our podcast. If, um, well, if you're listening to this, you know our podcast. You know what our podcast is, but you can also watch us on YouTube Which under Amy Beard MD, mm-hmm. and um, we have a tiny, tiny following on Instagram um, for self care is the new healthcare. That's the Twitter. That's Twitter, right? Sorry. That's, Twi- that's that's Twitter. Twitter is a, we just kind of don't do much with Twitter. It's a very toxic place, but all of these social media platforms have become kind of toxic in their own right. Yeah, Instagram, you have a lot of followers. Uh, not a lot, but I've got some. A few thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, I, I don't, that's not my goal is to like acquire a bunch of social media followers. I want, that's, well, I want followers who want to listen. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not what I set out to do. I'm just trying to get the word out. And it's great if my social media follow following, you know, increases because that means more people are going to have access to what I feel they need to be hearing. Yeah, word of mouth is what helps us the most. Folks, we appreciate you. Yes, we do. And please, uh, and we're going to be, the next time that we, uh, our next podcast, we're going to go over um, budget-friendly, healthy meals for your children. I can cook on the cheap, folks. You You can eat healthy cheap. And we're going to show you and talk about how you can do that. Yep. All right. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I don't take nothing that a doctor don't prescribe. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't smoke no blood, man. I don't do no drugs, man. It angers up that blood, man. So I don't do no drugs. I just take back sales and Zipro, Prozac, Dopamine, Demerol, Lexapro, Tylenol, Vicodin, Lyrica, Lipitor, and